and welcome back to Crime Kicks with your favorite hosts, Rachel and Emily, where we ramble about crimes and perpetrators that we know just a little too much about. In this episode, we will be discussing Jane Topin, an unusual serial killer who brings a whole new definition to anything a man can do, a woman can do better. Okay, so Jane Topin. Jane Topin was born actually as an Honora Kelly. This was her original name. She adopted the name Jane Topin when she ended up um, moving later in her life, which we'll be getting to a little bit later in this podcast. But when she was first born in 1857, she was given the name Honora Kelly. She was born in Boston, and she was the youngest of four girls in a poor Irish immigrant family. I won't lie. Uh, Every time I think of the name Jane, I think of, like, Jane Doe and John Doe. So it's kind of ironic that, you know, she, like, killed people. Yeah, she created (laughs) a lot of Jane Does. Yeah, I bet. Did she make any John Does? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she she killed a fair amount of people. We actually do know all of their names. It's kind of shocking. That's nice. Maybe we don't. There's, it's like with every serial killer we covered, there's a possibility they killed more. Yeah. Either way, um, kind of back to her early life, she was from this Irish immigrant family, so her mother ended up dying of tuberculosis when she was one years old, so she didn't really have a strong mother figure in her life, which may have been some of the motive for how she killed the way she did and, you know, how she grew up the way she did. I feel like a lot of serial killers always have, like, mommy or daddy issues, so... They always have some sort of issues, let's be honest, parental or um, otherwise, whether it's like relationship or anything like that. It's just something happened in their childhood that just like screwed them up. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, and to make things worse, um, again, she's got, she doesn't just have mommy issues, she's also got daddy issues. Her father was suspected of abusing his children, and he ended up later on in her life losing his mind, and there was rumors that he had even sewed his eyelids shut. So I guess you could say she's a jack of all trades. (laughs) Get it? Because she has daddy and mommy issues. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's that's such a horrible joke. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You could definitely say that. She kind of got double whammied with the parents in that situation. So um, what happened is even though there were, like, a lot of rumors about her dad, you know, not being a very fit parent, I mean, they were kind of he was kind of the only person they had. But in 1863, their father took, um, so took her, um, Jane, and her sister, Delia, who was eight at the time, and Jane was six at this point in time, to an orphanage called the Boston Female Asylum, and they were both placed into respected families when they turned 10 years old. So, for starters, why the heck is an orphanage called an asylum? Um, was it actually an orphanage, or was it an asylum? It was an orphanage. Well, maybe it was also an asylum. That's kind of... (laughs) It could have been a two-for-one, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I guess it was back in, like, the 1860s and all that, but I still can't get over the fact that it's literally just called an asylum, and you're sending a six- and an eight-year-old there. Well, I mean, in their defense, which, I mean, there's not, like, a lot, but, like, asylums nowadays aren't just for, like, you know, people who are, like, bad. It's to help people get better who have been in dangerous situations, and if that's the only safe place they could go, because don't asylums typically have uh, heavy security systems? 
They do, but, like, I'm not really sure. I, there's not, like, a whole lot of information about where mm-hmm. they were specifically sent. I mean, again, it was called, like, an orphanage, so I'm assuming that's where they stayed for the most part of the time. That's It was just called the female asylum, and I just thought that was wacky. Right. I'm just thinking that, you know, with her father as dangerous as he was, um, considering, you know, he sewed his own eyeballs shut, why wouldn't he sew theirs? You know, that's kind of... And he was abusive, as you discussed. Um, that's kind of a whole thing that people are like yeah no thank you uh and would try and keep children especially that young away from it just feels like because he's the one who checked them in i just think he should be the one in the asylum but i digress fair so her sister delia ended up becoming an alcoholic and a prostitute and another one of her sisters, who was not put in the orphanage and um, just kind of grew up on her own, she was older, um, her name was Nellie, she was placed in an insane asylum. So this seems like a pretty common trend with the sisters. They didn't. They had a crappy home environment, so they didn't grow up very well. So um, Honora, a.k.a. Jane, was adopted again when she was 10, and she ended up being adopted into this family where she was an indentured servant to a Miss Anne C. Topin, who passed her off as an Italian girl as there was a stigma associated with the Irish. So she basically was put into this new home with these new people and had to take on this whole new identity. So I really think that that's kind of where the serial killer was born, where she Mm -hmm. had to, like, hide everything. And it was already bad enough with the abuse that she had suffered beforehand. And now she was a servant in her new home. Right. Well, you know, not good stuff for her. Um... But I also can see, you know, how a name change would be so easy for her then if she goes from one heritage to another, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, that's kind of why she's, you know, she got this new name change, and that's where, like, that's kind of what I was saying about the serial killer being born. This is what she's known as. That's Most people don't know that her real name was Honora Kelly because they don't know about a lot about her previous life when she was younger. Right. So, okay, so... This Jane. So now she's Jane. She's about 10 years old, and she showed a lot of signs of being a sociopath, like a lot. One Did of them, she wet the bed? <laughs> there's not any uh, first-hand <laughs> accounts, if that's what you mean, but <laughs> isn't that more of a psychopath anyway? I don't know. I just hear that a lot of serial killers uh, wet the bed uh, until they were, like, very, very old, like nightly. In this case, uh, she was more of just someone who told a lot of lies, so a little little less gross. That's disappointing. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, she told a lot of lies centering, I think, a lot around her trauma. She told a lot, like, particularly about her close family. So she told a lot of lies about her father, one really extravagant one being that her father had sailed all the way around the world. So kind of creating this fantasy life where her father was, like, this perfect sailor dude. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't. I'm not sure how he could sail with his eyelids sewed shut, but, you know. Nope, no eyelid, um, no eyes. Um, yes, no eyes. Maybe, you know, maybe he did. I've, what's stopping him from trying, at least, you know? The fact that it's a lie. That's what stopped him. Poor guy. Was it, though? Like, did anyone actually check up on that? There's, like, no information about the father other than the fact that he's, like, a bad guy. So how do you know she was lying? Okay, like, literally, obviously, she had to been, have to have been fact-checked. That is so rude. No, it's fact-checked. It's on a website. Anyways. Oh, 
sure believe everything you read on the internet okay i do believe it actually and um okay you know what (laughs) you shouldn't you just like you shouldn't believe everything that's written on the internet you shouldn't believe everything that jane topin has to say because she's a sociopath well i didn't say believe everything she says i'm just saying how do you know the story about her father isn't true stop 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 don't don't open your mouth right now no we're not doing this Okay, so Jane Topin, right? All right, so she basically went on. She was this person who lied a lot, and we do know this because she's a sociopath. She went on to do that, and she did this, like, all throughout her adolescence, and now we kind of go back to this place where she graduated from Lowell High School at 18 years old, and the Topins actually decided at this point in time, kind of because, you know, she was, like, an adult, um, to free her from her indenture and ended up actually giving her $50, which for the time was a fair amount of money. And uh, despite this fact that she had this new freedom and she had money, uh, Jane decided to stay in, at their house as a servant. I mean, maybe did she become, like, a paid servant? Isn't that, like, an indentured servant? Isn't that what that's called? Okay, so no, not exactly. So an indentured servant is more like people who sign, like, a contract. So they're still a servant. They don't exactly get paid. They more just, like, get, like, insured an opportunity later in life, which for Jane, I guess it was more just, like, being freed and they happened to give her that money because I think they grew to care for her. Right. But she decided to stay because I think she felt comfortable there almost, and it was more of a home than, you know, she had ever gotten before. I mean, if she was happy, why take her from it? True. I think they were just trying to give her more opportunities. I mean, either way, when Ann Topin, the mother, died, her daughter, uh, her, like, biological daughter, Elizabeth, ended up taking over the house and actually treated Jane with a little more kindness than her mother had. So it sounds like, to me, like, her mother was actually relatively kind to Jane, especially, you know, offering her the freedom and giving her that money, at least for the time. It sounds like she wasn't, like, great, but, like... But, like, not horrible either. Yeah. Yeah, and her daughter was obviously a bit nicer. So she ended up staying at the house for a while until uh, Elizabeth ended up marrying a deacon named Ormel Brigham. Some sort of unspecified dispute occurred between Ormel and uh, Jane, and uh, Jane ended up moving out of the house. And this was a house that she had lived in for, like, 20 years at the time, so obviously something big happened. There's, like... There's no exact records of what the argument was about. I've seen it's probably maybe Ormel maybe discovered that she was, like, not right in the head, but probably something like that. Maybe he brought up her dad. <laughs> Daddy issues. Uh, yeah, no, that would make a lot of sense. And she seems to kind of have a bit of a problem with men in general. It's not like she specifically targeted them, but... Obviously, with the daddy issues and everything, she probably just didn't like him very much. Yeah, which is understandable. So, in 1887, at the age of 33, Jane started to train as a nurse at Cambridge Hospital. So, here she uh, was... Cambridge. Cambridge? Cambridge. Cambridge. Okay, my bad. But here, at Cambridge, she gained her nickname of Jolly Jane due to her cheery and outgoing personality, which... Kind of a bit of a facade on her part. Definitely not really her. Did that become one of her serial killer names is Jolly Jane? That's just like what they called her like before oh. she became a serial killer. This was like when she was a med student. I was wondering if it was like some giggling granny sort of stuff. 
Okay. That sounds horrifying. Yeah, well, you'll hear about it in a minute. Well, okay. (laughs) So, um, because of her cheery and outgoing personality, this is, like, obviously, like, the facade that she put on this isn't who she really was, and not many people saw through it. Like, her superiors didn't really see it, but many of her fellow med students despised her, as she was not only a person who loved to gossip and who celebrated the dismissal of the people that she didn't like, but she also lied about an opportunity that she got, again, with these extravagant lies that she did. She talked about how she, um, the Tsar of Russia, was offering her a job, among other things. So, like, he was offering, offering Jane Topin to be his personal nurse, which, obviously, that's pretty out there. Definitely not true. Yeah, see, that one I won't believe. But the father one, I, I mean... I'm just we, saying. We said the father was crazy. Who's to say he's not going to decide he's going to sail the world with um, sewn shut eyes? At this point, those are just some examples of, like, the things that we... Okay, we're not <laughs> we're not doing this. I see. Okay. Okay. Either way, that was one of the other really big lies that she told. And, like, the med students were like, obviously, that's not true. And another thing, she was kind of, like, a minor kleptomaniac. You know, she stole small items, or it was speculated that she did that. So, you know, like, kind of like building up small crimes to the larger ones. She also had an enormous obsession with autopsies, something that had begun to concern hospital administration after a while. She took a special interest in those, and obviously that's kind of a little bad for someone who's, like, wants to be a nurse and help people. And there's, like, just this off-putting behavior that they all started to notice. And what they didn't know, the hospital staff, however, a little bit of oversight on their part, or maybe she was just real sneaky about it, Jane actually experimented with morphine and atrophine on older patients. I mean, it was smart that she did it on older patients because a lot of people who are older aren't able to speak uh, as well for themselves as um, younger people can. Um, Like, my grandma... For, like, the last four years of her life, she was limited to yes or no um, responses. And you were lucky if you got those, you know? Yeah, that's what's, like, so sad about this. Because, like, they're kind of, like, the more, you know, prone to this kind of stuff. Because they're, like, you know. The easy target. Yeah, that's what what I was looking for. So, and the thing is, with their medical charts and everything, they may have just suspected they were, they were in more pain because, you know, they're older and stuff, so they may have just gotten an increased dose of morphine. So, you know, just to take the edge off, just a just little bit. take the edge off. Yeah. But, yeah, so this is kind of, again, where the crime started to build up. This is where she started experimenting, where she kind of got her new M.O., And in 1887, a patient by the name of Amelia Finey was given medicine by Jane, and she said that it tasted bitter, and she soon lost consciousness. And when she started to wake up, Jane had ended up crawling into her bed and laid beside her, kissing her all over the face. So, disturbing, to say the least. She just wants a hug from her mom. Way to make it sad. It's just, it's so unsettling and creepy, and I just don't like it. No, I don't like it either. It's definitely, like, that's definitely her first victim, and the reason we know what happened is because she survived. She wasn't able to kill her. assault. Yes, except nobody really believed her because some, so basically Jane never went through with the entire thing. She started kissing her on the face and being a creep. And something stopped her short. Again, because this is like a first-hand report from Amelia, she doesn't know exactly what was it because she was kind of delirious and out of it. Either way, 
Jane was startled by something and stopped what she was doing. And then later, when she kind of like came to, was off the medication, a little less loopy, she decided that it must have been some sort of like fever dream or something like that, and she went on with her life. Though I'm certain she was quite horrified to learn 14 years later that she could have been one of the victims of the infamous Jane Topin. Oh, she lived? Yes, she did. Like, that long is what I mean. Who? The, like, we talked about how they're elderly people, right? And then you were like, 14 years, and I was like, whoa! Yeah, no, she was, like, one of the younger ones. Oh, okay. So, like, she was, like, a little bit up there, probably, like, 40s, 50s. Jane, Old for the time. Yes, what Jane constitutes as an elderly person is a little different than what we said. I'd say it's, like, upper middle age. It said that she, like, targeted older people. Some of them are older, some of them are, like, mid-50s, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Anyways, after medical school, so this had occurred in medical school, one of her first, like, near killings, Jane went on to work and get fired from the Massachusetts General Hospital for recklessly giving out opiates. And despite this fact, the fact that she's kind of basically like, what are they called, drug dealers? Yeah, she's basically like this drug dealer, and they don't even realize it. She was still recommended to wealthy patients as a private nurse because she had such a good, like, reputation around the hospital, you know, Jolly Jane and all that. Mm. Her superiors saw her as this, like, really hardworking, sweet medical doctor. And it's like, no, not really. She sounds like someone that you would hire to work with kids. Which, like, knowing what we know about her isn't, like, a good thing. But, like, knowing, like, only, you know, Jolly Jane... She's sweet. She gets her job done, you know. Um, come on. Who who would you have with kids? Someone who's mean? No. You're just going to make the kids cry. Exactly. So, like, she never worked with children, thank God. She probably would have rubbed off on them and created more little monsters. But, again, because, like, this math, mask that she wore, um, she, you know, obviously rose in the ranks pretty quickly. But outside of the hospital, she would drink, cause petty fights between friends, and gossip a lot. She liked to cause drama. But again, at work, she is a professional, and she was described to be compassionate. And she was also paid five times the amount that normal nurses got paid a week, which was about, at the time, um, normal nurses would get paid about $5 a week. She got paid 25 Oh, wow. Five yeah. to 25 Yeah. An extra $20 in the 1800s? Yeah. So that kind of probably definitely blew up her ego a little bit, made her think, hey, I can do a lot more. So this is where the crimes really start to, you know, begin. She became friends with an elderly landlord and his wife and killed them one by one when she was older. And, like, um, this was, again, still in the 1890s here. So she had claimed that they had gotten old and fussy. So, like, she was basically living with them, and she just decided to kill them because, you know, just a nice, flimsy little excuse. And later, her fellow med students would recall her saying that there was no use keeping old people alive. So that's fun. Great. Um, yeah, I love that for her. And then, oh, actually, this was, like, more, like, late 1880s is what I meant. Because in 1889, 70-year-old Mary McLear grew ill and was referred to Jane Topin, who then took the opportunity to poison her, you know, get a little extra practice in. Honestly, though, if the person's already sick, it's, she was smart to become a nurse because it's so much easier to murder someone as a nurse. 
Because, like, if they're deathly sick or, like, back then especially, you could die from anything. So, like, I'm sure they didn't look into it, like, at all, ever. Well, exactly. And, like, you know, they didn't have very super organized medical charts or anything. So most people just thought, oh, hey, she just, she did her best and it happens. And then, because, again, all these things, she was getting away with it so easily, and this is kind of an addiction she just had to keep feeding, just a month later, she killed her own friends with a strychnine so she could take her job at St. John's Theological School in Cambridge. She did actually end up getting her friend's job, but it didn't last long with many reports of incompetence. So finally, people started to notice that she wasn't very good at her job, but they didn't notice that she was a serial killer who took her friend's life to get that position. Yeah. How did she make it this far without people noticing she was, like, not intelligent? It, it's the 1800s, man. They don't pay attention to that, and... She was a very good actress. She was very good at pretending she was something that she wasn't. And personally, I got to give her a little bit of credit. I think she was definitely a bit smarter than, like, people tend to give her credit for. I mean, there's a reason she got so far. She played, it's more like social smarts, really, for her. Right. So, because, like, obviously she got farther and she kept killing people because in the summer of 1899, she grew more confident. And the killing spree took an even more personal turn. And when Jane's foster sister, Elizabeth, invited her to come back to her childhood home, Jane took the chance to poison Elizabeth's food with strychnine and watched with delight, quote-unquote, as she died. So, yeah, she killed her own sister. Well, foster sister. Yes, but, you know, still, she was nice to her and everything. Yeah, but they did have that argument. But, the, okay, here's the, here's the kicker here. Uh-huh. It wasn't even because of the argument. This was because she wanted to marry Elizabeth's husband, Ormel Brigham. Despite their, you know, the whole dispute that happened and why she moved out, she still wanted to marry this dude. I knew. She's she's grown older now. I guess she wants a man. And three days later, Jane ended up killing Brigham's 77-year-old housekeeper. She continued to try and worm her way into Ormel's life through uh, things like that took it. Though things took an extreme turn when she made clear that when uh, Ormel told her, hey, I don't want you in my house anymore. I don't want you as my wife or my housekeeper. He didn't know that she had killed them. Mm -hmm. But he's trying to be like, hey, stop trying to, you know, get your way into my life. I don't want you here. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. You don't piss off a serial killer. No. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. She tried to poison him and then... Not, not enough to kill him, so this way she could nurse him back to health, thinking it would bring them together. This obviously failed because it was, you know, she was clouded. Her judgment was definitely clouded in this situation. And I love you after you um, attempt murder on me. Yes. You know? You know, again, Ormel didn't even know. He was entirely clueless, which I can't even understand. People in the 1800s were so stupid. No, honestly, though, like, we have, brains were in their heads. They had to be. You know, the thing is, the worst part is, the serial killer was a little more stupid than the victims themselves because when this whole little plan of hers failed, she threatened to claim that Ormel had gotten her pregnant. And obviously, you know, Ormel's like, no, get out of my house. No one's going to believe you. So she got kicked out of the house. She then attempted suicide by using morphine, but was unsuccessful and spent time in a hospital. So, um, yeah, definitely a bit messed up. Yeah, 
Uh, after she got out of the hospital, she ended up visiting her old friend, Sarah Nichols, who was living with her brother in Amherst. So, uh, kind of crazy. She didn't actually end up killing them. Mm -hmm. Uh, She went on to rent a college in Bourne from the Davis family, but she was behind on her rent payments. So, you can guess what happened next. So They tried to evict her and she killed him? Kind of, yeah. It's pretty much. So, Alden Davis's wife, Maddie came to Cambridge to collect her money for the cottage. But Jane killed her with a fun little mix of morphine and atrophine. So kind of up in her game here, making sure they're really dead. Wanted to have a little uh, tea party. Yes. She then moved in with Alden Davis to take care of him. And obviously, you know, he also ended up dead. She killed him and two of his married daughters by the names of Minnie Gibbs and Geraldine Gordon. Shocker. Yeah. (laughs) And, okay, so this is where finally people start to notice Mm -hmm. this stuff ain't adding up. Uh, Why does this woman keep going into people's lives and they end up dead? Mm -hmm. So Minnie Gibbs's father-in-law suspected foul play. He spoke with a toxologist and got a judge to exhume Minnie's body. Toxicology reports revealed that she died of a morphine and atrophine dose, just like Maddie had. So this is where people start to put the pieces together. Like, there's something here. Why are these deaths all the same? Mm -hmm. So by the time it was 1901, there was a detective who suspected Jane of killing the entire family of Alden Davis. Mm -hmm. So this detective, he followed her because of the suspicion that he had. And obviously things panned out. He obviously found suspicious activity. In this time that he was hunting her, she didn't kill anyone else as far as we know. Of course, there might have been someone else that we didn't know that wasn't, you know, in the reports. But what I just went over are the people that we know for a fact that she killed and she's linked to those murders. Right. Either way, because of all this detective work, he was able to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And eventually she was arrested in Amherst on October 29th of 1901. So Jane ended up facing trial in the summer of 1902 and confessed that she had killed at least 31 people. So, obviously, there's definitely some people unaccounted for. Definitely. Although, again, she's kind of an infamous liar, so we Um, don't know if it's true or not. Yeah. Either way, we know for a fact that she killed those people that I talked about earlier, and it wouldn't be entirely shocking to, you know, realize that she killed more people. Maybe it was her sailor dad with the eye patch all along. (laughs) Could be. Could be. (laughs) Either way, she, again, we can't really know, we can't really trust her claims, but she did claim that she began killing after she was dumped at 16 years old. She even said that she, that if she was a married woman, she probably would not have killed all those people. So, uh, basically, if that guy had gotten married to her like she wanted, that whole family would not have died. Yes, it's all Ormel's fault. Absolutely. All his fault. All his fault. Absolutely. Absolutely. Screw him. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. I mean, she could just be lying, but who knows? Yeah. But the trial that took place for Jane, so this took place in Barnstable uh, County Courthouse, and the jury deliberated for just 27 minutes, so they came to a decision pretty quickly because obviously this girl's guilty. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's so obvious that she's guilty, but... The jury reached a verdict of not guilty due to insanity. Insanity? So, what the- Whoa, they think she's crazy? I mean, she is. Yeah. She is. Either way, 
Jane lived the rest of her jolly life at the Taunton mm-hmm. State Hospital, and she died on August 17th of 1938. So she spent the majority of her life in hospitals. Yes, she did. And not because she was ill. <laughs> no, she made people around her ill. Yep. <laughs> Killed them. Yep. I love that for them. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's times like these where you have to love love what we do. <laughs> yes, I. It's, it's so interesting to read about some of these people and just the wild nicknames they come up with for them. Like Jolly Jane, I don't like it, but it's interesting. <laughs> Jolly Jane. I think it's I think that's a cute nickname for her though. Well, either way, Jolly da- Jane, Jolly Jane. Yes. Okay, Jolly Jane didn't live such a jolly life. Um I mean, she spent most of her life being abused, thrown in hospitals or killing people. So, I love that for her. Yeah. So, just like most serial killers on on that we covered here, she had a pretty crappy life, and she took it out on other people. So that's fun. Either way, thanks so much for joining us on Crime Kooks. If you want to check out some other great podcasts or find some of our others, visit fhntoday.com slash crime and listen in. Anyways, tune in next time to hear about Nanny Doss. And again, I'm Emily. And I'm Rachel. Don't be stupid. Say it with me. Okay. <laughs> Don't, Don't be, be stupid, stupid and, and stay, stay safe. safe. You used to be, like, incredibly possessive of that, so I was... No, no we, we do it together now. Okay. It's, it's our thing. <laughs> well, I just want to be sure. You used to be very possessive. You mm-hmm. have, like, whacked me on the head for even, like, saying the word don't. It's, <laughs> it's not like that anymore. Okay. I trust you. Okay.